1: Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Drop pass,
2: Dreisler to McDavid, down the middle, wrist shot, score! Carter McDavid, just like that! And he's going down!
1: Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by CAM LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. On the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. The Senators
2: leading the Bruins 3-1 late in the second period. In the third, Columbus up 2-1 on Washington. And the Islanders lead the Lightning 2-1. Flames and Avalanche will start in a few minutes. Monday Night Football, Giants up 7-0 on the Eagles four minutes into the second quarter. And basketball tonight, Raptors trailing Chicago 51-49 at the half. Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers in Toronto on Wednesday. We'll get some thoughts from Global Toronto's Rob Leth later on this hour. He's always uh, good to talk to, going to have a pregame ceremony for Kawhi Leonard. He'll get his championship ring, uh, obviously one of the greatest seasons in Raptors history from Leonard last year. Uh, Yeah, not a... uh, not a thrilling well actually i haven't i don't even have the monday nighter on the tv i've had the the bulls raptors game on i'll probably switch over to the calgary hockey game now but the you got the uh, giants coming in on an eight game losing streak philly's 5 and 7 but they're still in the hunt for the nfc east lead dallas is 6 and 7 is that the worst division in all of pro sports sure this year? <laughs> well, pro, I don't know. There could be some minor hockey or baseball league that had a worse division. Oh, maybe, yeah. Um, man, how about that Saints-Niners game yesterday? Oh, insane. So I, and I, I I went for a run late morning, so I didn't see the first half. I get home, it's twenty eight twenty seven, so I'm watching it. But then I had to leave for the rink Late in the fourth quarter, so I'm parking outside Roger's place and I get a couple of text messages. Oh, my God, what a finish. My one buddy's a 49ers fan. He's like, George Kittles is the man. And I was like, yes, he is. What did he do? And then I saw the highlight of him dragging those guys and getting his face mask pulled and still getting yardage and all that kind of stuff. That was was a great game. And that's got to be a big boost for the Niners. Mm-hmm. because they kind of had the, oh, what if Garoppolo gets in a showdown, and, right. you know, Seattle beat them on the, uh, was that, a, that was a Monday nighter. Yeah, it was. Where they yeah. went to overtime, and just as the game went on, Wilson outplayed. Uh, you know, even though Wilson made some mistakes, Garoppolo missed some chances to win that game for the Niners. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's a big one. It's right good, time of the year, Good too. team. Saints, Seahawks, 49ers, uh, all looking good. Baltimore's looking great. Uh, Chiefs won in New England yesterday. Uh, you know, Buffalo's got a good team. They hung in there with uh, with Baltimore yesterday. So, uh, fun times for the NFL coming down to the wire for sure. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family Difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five star Google reviews. Call 780 4FAMILY or check them out online, furnacefamily.com. You can call or text 780 496 0063. Chris says, uh, great interview with. Steve Simmons and Sean Fitzgerald, they were funny, informative, and candid about a cool topic I was laughing out loud. That is Chris texting 780-496-0063. Somebody else uh, writes in. By the way, if you, I, I love it if you sign your your name to your text or even if you give yourself a handle that we can kind of stick with. We got uh, we got the one person who calls himself frustrated fan. We got somebody who goes by uh, the big L. So if you want to give yourself a handle, that's that's fine too. But anyway, this texter says, read the Oilers." Need to go on a five or more game winning streak soon. Otherwise, another team will. A losing streak at this point would be devastating. The inconsistencies quite unsettling at this point. Well, that's a that's a good topic. That's a good jumping off point for sure. And, and some stuff Dave Tiffett talked about today. It has been a very back and forth Oilers team ever since they got the hot start. And I, I, I have been preaching all year the value of that hot start. But since the Oilers started 7-1-1, and so since the overtime win over Washington, which is one of the most exciting games of the year, the Oilers are a very pedestrian 11-9-3. So that's uh, 23 games, just 11 wins. So less than half their wins, a little more than half of the points available. And that record, probably more along the lines of... Of who I thought the Oilers might be this season. I mean, I thought they'd get to the 41 wins, 88 points, and probably miss the playoffs by four to six points. Um, but because they have that hot start, they're still tied for the division lead with Arizona. And and, I, and I, that's a that's a really interesting text from that listener because he or she is right that. For the Oilers to really nail it down, and I think for people to really say going into December or January, they're a front runner to be in the playoffs, they gotta do something like win five in a row or go, you know, six, two and two over a ten game stretch or seven, two and one, something like that. That's bang on. And that texture is right. There there are always some teams that eventually put together a big push. The Pacific division wasn't very good for the start, you know, about the first half of last year. But you know, then San Jose and Vegas had their pushes. Calgary took off, and, and those wound up being the being the top three. And the Oilers were hanging around in what we called the the Turtle derby, derby, competing for that second final wild card spot that Colorado eventually got. So yeah, if if they can get another burst where you know they bank seventy percent of their points over you know an eight to fourteen game stretch, they're they're going to be looking pretty good. But if they lose, you know, five out of seven, six out of eight, or go two, seven, and one over ten games, then they'll have given back to that good start to the season. And then that's and then that's kind of conserving, con- concerning. But again, they, they haven't given it back. They haven't capitalized on it. But here's the thing. Since the Oilers started seven, one, and one, and don't forget they won their first five games of the year. Since they started seven, one, and one, they have not had a three game winning streak. Kind of a bummer. They also have not had a three game losing streak. They continue to have not dropped three games in a row. So they've always even if they've had a tough run, they've they've, you know, banked uh, banked a point or two along the way. And and going into Carolina tomorrow, if if a big if, but if they win. Even as disappointing as last night's result was, you got five out of six points in your last three games, and, and, and you're banking points, and you're creeping a little further ahead or keeping pace with, with teams who have lost in regulation time. So, yeah, I, I get it. I, I get the frustration with the Oilers sort of going back and forth. I, I agree. They're, they're going to have to put some things together and uh, hopefully have at least a, a mini winning streak. To make everybody feel a little better, but the counter to that is, they haven't had a devastating losing streak. Here's what Dave Tippett had to say about the team going back and forth.
1: And you got to keep getting points. Like it's, it's, we've been on top of the division for a lot of the year, and we had that, we had a good start. But since then, we're just there's been a couple teams that have gone on little runs, but everybody else, you just got to chip away and find your points. And uh, I would rather win ten in a row than go. One one one, but that's the situation you're in. It's hard to win. You got to, but it's it's an area like we we've got to get give ourselves a chance to win more games in a row.
2: All right. So there's how how Tippett feels about it. So Tip, what's missing in the Oilers game?
1: I think we have to get more mindset of getting pucks to the net, like we and yeah, and you understand like top players don't want to just put the puck in the net from outside because they think it's a giveaway and a lot of times it can be but there's a lot of we don't get enough low high puck to the net traffic kind of stuff like that like that's where that's an improvement we have to make five on five just the, the ability to get pucks to the net and people at the net you know we don't we don't have to pass it into the net
2: well that was a big frustration last night Certainly the the top line of Drysaddle, McDavid, and Cassian were were criticized for that. Rob and I talked about it after the game on overtime open line. uh, You know, too many passes, too many fancy plays. Tippett said after the game that he thought they had more drop passes than shots on goal as a team in the first period. I, I was a little surprised Cassian passed up a couple of opportunities to shoot because one of his strengths on that line has been that he doesn't try to be McDavid or Drysaddle. We all know there are going to be some frustrating nights with McDavid or Dreisaitl, perhaps, where they it appears they're passing too much. I think we also know, at least I feel for myself, that there are going to be some nights where you think, oh, what is he passing that for? Oh, my God, that's one of the greatest passes I've ever seen. It's a goal, right? So that's the back and forth with those guys. I was surprised Cassian passed up a couple of uh, uh, chances, chances to shoot, absolutely. Uh, this texture says, good evening. I just wanted to say the last few games, the Oilers' passing has been too sloppy and lackadaisical. Too many one-handed chips ahead. Too many passes when they get in close. And that's from a texture calling himself the medium L. And then he adds an LOL. So now we have big L and medium L. That's pretty good. Just missing a small L. Uh, yeah, fair. And and Tip said in that clip, they have to get more pucks to the net. Now for the the skill guys... That's probably just shooting, probably just firing it, trusting your shot. McDavid, Dry and Nugent Hopkins are all good handling the puck, are all good passing the puck. The thing for them is they also have three of the best shots on the team. Dry probably has, the, of the forwards, Dry has the best shot on the team. McDavid probably has the second best shot on the team. And would you put Nugent Hopkins third, maybe fourth? I mean, you might, maybe you'd put Neil in there from, from in tight, but so it's never a bad decision for them to shoot as as awesome as they are passing the puck it's never a bad decision for those players to shoot with the depth guys and, and now the Oilers depth has improved and I think they have a hard-working group they have players who are legitimate NHLers even if some maybe are, are playing a little more five on five than you might ideally like I, I think the Oilers depth they have two fourth lines when I look at the players in the bottom six, I think they have two fourth lines. Last year, they probably had a fourth line and, and a fifth line, you know, an AHL line that was playing in the NHL. So I do think it's better, and we've talked about the penalty killing a ton. So Tip says we got to get the puck to the net more. For the depth guys, I don't know if it's f- about the decision whether to pass or shoot, like it might be with the big guys. I think for the depth guys, it's simply are they able to have the skill to get the shot away? Because they, they have forecheck well, they've kept pucks alive. Nygaard had a good game last night, got a goal on a tip, but if you know Patrick Russell or Riley Shane or Gaetan Haas are grinding and winning puck battles, are they then do they then have the skill level to consistently get a dangerous opportunity out of it or, or even to get it to the net? So I think those guys would love to get to the the puck to the net more. I, I, I just don't know if they consistently have, have the ability to do it. Now, the big guys have the ability to do it, so I think for them it's a mindset of just firing away a little more. Uh, this texter says, I can't believe how many whiny Oilers fans there are right now tied for first In the division, and they complain. It makes me sick. Well, I'm, I apologize to that texture if you are if you are sickened. <laughs> Look at pictures of Baby Yoda. That'll make you feel better. Colorado already up one nothing on the Flames. It's seven seventeen. We'll call a quick timeout.
1: You're listening to six thirty Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins.
2: So Paul LaPolice hired as head coach of the Ottawa Red Blacks. The Eskimos have have interviewed Mark Killam, special teams coordinator, assistant coach from the Stamps. Mark Washington, defensive coordinator from Hamilton. And uh, Kevin Guy, the head coach of the Arizona Rattlers in the Arena League. That's the uh, organization now Eskimos president Chris Presson came from. if you heard some interviews on on this show in the last couple of weeks, Eskimos receiver J. says uh, you you prefer a guy with CFL experience. We had Brendan Tamman on the show, former GM of the Rough Riders, and and he said you got to go with a guy with uh, with CFL experience. I I, I would. I, I and look, I, nothing against Kevin Guy. He's he's coached at the pro level. He's done well with the Rattlers. Um, and if he is hired, look, I, I'm of the school you always give somebody a chance, but I'm also of the school that you, you have to look into the history of how other coaches um, coming from outside the CFL, the coach usually do, and I really with the exception of Mark Tressman they usually don't do very well. So, you know, Killam or Washington would, would be on a uh, shorter list for me that wouldn't include Kevin Guy from the Rattlers. We'll see how it plays out. We might get an Eskimos coach later this week. We have Warren on line one seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Go ahead Warren.
4: Hi, Early Merry Christmas to you. Thanks. I just want to make a comment. Uh, last Tuesday I was... Um, I work at the Glen Rose Hospital and I had the honor of actually meeting up with the Oilers. Uh, it was my job to kind of tour them around the hospital. And I just can't say enough about how amazing these guys were. Um, it was, uh, you know, Drysaddle, Granlund, uh, Darnell Ness, and Koskinen. Uh, uh, and, you know, like, I'm a critic sometimes, like everyone else, but these guys are human. And if um, it was absolutely amazing, the the care and the, the way they were towards these kids. They were just... Uh, Smiling, nothing was too much trouble to sign autographs and uh, I just want to let everyone know how amazing these guys were
2: well that's that's uh good to hear yeah, they usually do uh, you know at least one of those days a year where they where they uh, where they visit and, uh, and I know a lot of times at, at practice there are Players who might uh, meet a, a fan, or or a fan, or a kid who's going through a tough time after practice, and sometimes that's not uh, that's not publicized. So, oh, that is that is good to hear. I'm glad it was a positive. Experience. Was that the Glen Rose you said?
4: Yeah, they were. Um, you know, they they were just amazing. I was so impressed with them and the way they were towards the staff also, just kind, considerate, and you know, it was it was amazing. So, just uh, hats off to them. A good shout out to the. Uh, Oilers organization and the uh, Oilers
2: foundation. Good stuff, Warren. Thanks for letting us know. Okay, thanks, Reed. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. That's Warren, 7804960063. Uh, CMAC texting in. He says, Hey, Reed, uh, Smith's below par performance lately worries me because I think the reason Koskinen is playing so well is because he's well rested with him being forced to play more. That will likely negatively impact his performance. Less hope Smith can turn it back on. Still very exciting and entertaining watching the Oilers this year. That is uh, from cmac texting in seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. It's the goaltending. I look the goaltending's still been good. And one texter I, I thought made an interesting point earlier on that that you can pick Smith's play apart if you want, but he's still 7-7-2, seven, seven, which isn't a bad record if he is the backup. And then you got Koskinen at 11-3-2. I, I played Tippett's comments. He he keeps saying it's basically game by game. You talk to the goalies. You talk to Dustin Schwartz. You, you play the guy who gives you the best chance to win. It's, it's a busy schedule before Christmas. They only have the one back-to-back, but they have... They play Carolina tomorrow, then they're at Minnesota, then they come home to play Toronto, then they have to go back on the road to play Dallas and St. Louis. So it's almost like a four-game road trip, even though they have a game at home. And then they have a back-to-back against Pittsburgh and Montreal on the 20th and 21st, and then they're in Vancouver on the 23rd. So that's eight games. There are days off between between some of the other games, but obviously Smith's going to play one of the Pittsburgh or Montreal games. I would still think Smith plays one of the next 3, Carolina, Minnesota, Toronto. And then he probably some so look, if if it's, if they, in the 8 games before Christmas, if it's 5 Koskinen and 3 Smith, would that be objectionable to people? It it, it may work out that way that instead of 4 out of 8, maybe Koskinen gets 5 out of 8 or gets 6 out of 10. And if, and if he drops off, maybe Smith plays a little more. But they, they clearly are very conscious of Tippett following his word from the summer where he said to both goalies, we're going to try to make it even. I hope you play 41 games each. And I think, as that texter touched on, they're very conscious of, of the workload because it did not go well for Koskinen last year when he, when he had to play more. Fair comment for sure. Uh, this texture says, "Why did they separate Settle and McDavid?"
1: I like to see our lines have some more balance, and uh, we've got a stretch of games coming up here where we're going to need contributions right throughout our lineup. And Nygaard, to me, is a player that's starting to get some confidence. Had a real strong game last night, so we're looking to uh, add some balance to our group.
2: McDavid-centered, Nygaard and Cassian. Nugent-Hopkins-centered, Kara and Dreisaitl. And I think it's pretty obvious at this point, any separation of McDavid and Dreisaitl is temporary. Might last a period, might last a few games, but the default is for them to play together. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Bringing down south comfort food to Edmonton with their creative take on Southern classics spun with a modern twist. Northchickenyeg.com. We'll update the scoreboard when we get back. Rob Leff gets you ready for Kawhi's return to Toronto, plus boxer Ryan Ford. Still ahead.
1: Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since
3: 1962.
2: Ottawa trying to hold on for the upset against Boston. Senators lead it 3-1, four minutes into the third. The Islanders take it to the Lightning. A 5-1 win for the Islanders. The uh, Lightning 14-11-3 on the season Brock Nelson a couple of goals he's up to 11 on the season Stamkos got his 10th for the Lightning Blue Jackets leading the Capitals 4-1 late in the third and about six minutes left in the first period Avalanche up 1-0 on the Flames Ryan Graves who had that big hit on Alex on a couple of weeks ago the uh, goal in that game for the Avalanche Oilers Carolina tomorrow 530 face-off show here on 630 Ched, the game will start At 7, Monday Night Football, Giants leading the Eagles 10-3 late in the second quarter. Raptors tonight tied at 58 with the Bulls. Five minutes left in the third. The Raptors have a home game against the Clippers on Wednesday. Kawhi up top, looks at the clock, turns
1: the corner for the win.
2: Matt Devlin's call of the uh, Raptors win over the 76ers in the playoffs and to uh, discuss Kawhi's return and more. Our buddy from Global Sports Toronto, Rob Leth. Rob, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Hey, thanks for having me back. I guess I did okay last time. Yeah, you're doing you're doing okay. You're 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 making okay. the cut here, so that's good. That's pretty good. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's good to it's good to have you on the show and uh we just played the highlight there. One of the uh, shots of the year, most memorable shots of the year in, in Canada, Kawhi in, in Game 7 to uh, knock off the 76ers. There are always great highlights throughout the year in sports, Rob, but there there are always those few shots that are still going to be being played year after year, 10, 20 years down the road, and I, I think that, that Leonard shot in Game 7 to, uh, to win that series is going to be one of them.
3: Yeah, for sure. Uh, And it was a shot to to win the Eastern Conference semifinal, which doesn't sound all that great, but it was the first Game 7 buzzer beater in the history of the NBA and and obviously propelled them on to bigger and better things. And uh, that was the shot that I think uh, clearly defined... Uh, you know, the Raptor season and have it bounce around on the rim uh, four times before it finally went in. I was out in uh, Jurassic Park when that shot hit, and I was actually taking a video on my phone of the crowd, and I heard the shot go up, and there wasn't a reaction. So I thought he missed. And then it seemed like 20 seconds later, everyone erupted in a huge cheer uh, outside of Scotiabank Arena. And I was like, what just happened? And I finally saw the replay. I was like, oh my goodness, that is incredible.
2: Well, a memorable playoff one, uh, run for Toronto and they, and they finally got it done against Golden State and then Kawhi left and, and now he's coming back a couple of days away here for Wednesday I know they're going to give him his, his ring What's sort of the, the vibe around uh, around his, his return game? You know, it's funny he was only a Raptor for a year but you know, one of the hugest contributions in the history of the franchise What are you sort of hearing from, from the fans from season ticket holders about this game that he's coming back?
3: Well, I've kind of always said that, you know, Kyle Lowry is probably the greatest Raptor of all time. But I think Kawhi Leonard is the greatest player to ever wear a Raptors uniform. And I think there's a difference. Um, He's the guy, you know, that came here and got the job done, got the Raptors their championship and then unfortunately left. But I think a lot of people were expecting it. I, I know there was a lot of hope. During the offseason, uh, when he was, uh, you know, there was a Hawaiian and Dine around Toronto and, you know, free meals and everyone, uh, you know, cheering him on every place that they saw him. But I think everyone knew that this uh, this moment was a real possibility, especially going back home to L.A. I don't think anyone can fault him for that. Um, so I, I think he's going to get nothing less than a huge standing ovation from the crowd. I, I don't think he'll get booed at all. And I think everyone's just going to thank him for doing what he did for the uh, for the Raptors, for the city, and really for the country.
2: Yeah, I'm sure he'll get a huge ovation before the game, and then I wonder in game too if there'll be some playful boos when he has the ball, just to remind him, hey, we cheer for the guys. <laughs> I know it's like that when some ex oilers come back, right? They get a tribute video and they get cheered, and then the first time they touch the puck after that, it's booed, just to remind, hey, we, yeah. we liked you, but we're still cheered for the Oilers. <laughs>
3: Yeah, and make make no mistake about it. The the fans love what he did for the city, but once uh, once uh, you know the game starts against the Clippers, the fans obviously want the Raptors to win. So they they don't want Kawhi to go off for like 50 points and lead the Clippers to like a 20 point victory. They want to celebrate what he did and then move on and have the Raptors win because he's the enemy now. But it, it is it is interesting that they are going all out with a, a ceremony for Kawhi. Uh, you know, 15 20 minutes before the actual tip-off of the game. They're doing a ceremony where they're going to present him his ring at 6.45 Eastern time for a game that starts, uh, I guess, with tip-off at 7.05, so that's something it's not just a video tribute in game this is a, a huge you know ceremony to celebrate like i said probably the greatest player to ever wear raptors uniform
2: raptors this season pretty good rector uh, pretty good record some stumbles lately but uh, you know still hanging right in there in the eastern conference looking to get back on track against the chicago bulls tonight after
3: losing three straight which is uh, uh sort of uh, ironic in the fact that kyle lowry has been back for three games since his uh, broken thumb you think he only add a boost to the lineup, but uh, three straight losses, a bit of a bump in the road, but uh, more than okay in the Eastern Conference right
2: now. All right. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, something else here. The Lou Marsh came out today, Rob, and uh, you got to be part of a very special group. You, you got to be uh, involved in picking who won the Lou Marsh Award. Can, can you take me behind the scenes as much as you can into how the selection is is made? I'm sure a lot of names get thrown around, a lot of different arguments.
3: Yeah, I think to nobody's surprise, uh, Bianca Andrescu won the award this year, and it was unanimous, which was uh, not disappointing in the fact that she was a unanimous winner, but disappointing for me in the fact that this was my first time being on the panel. And I'd heard so many stories over the years of these fierce debates and everyone fighting for their athlete to win the award. And pretty much everyone's like, yep, yeah, <laughs> Bianca's the winner. Uh, where's lunch? <laughs> But uh, it it is a fascinating process. Um, What they do is uh, everyone's in a room around this big table, and there was four or five people on the phone conference in, and basically everyone nominates a name, whether you think they're going to be the winner or not. And basically the process is to get that list down to five people, and then you make the vote, and whoever you know comes out on top is the winner of the Lou Marsh but nobody could come to a consensus on who the top five would be so it ended up being a top seven we had to vote on that to get it down to five and then we voted again for the winner and of course uh 24 out of 24 first place votes for Bianca Andrescu and obviously well deserved for the year she had you know winning at Indian Wells winning on home soil at the Rogers Cup and of course topping it off with the first grand slam title in canadian history uh, winning the u.s open against serena um just an incredible year for uh, a young athlete who is still not 20 years old
2: can you tell us where sherwood parks chuba hubbard figured into this debate obviously a lot of people in this part of the world celebrating his season with oklahoma state
3: yeah obviously a great year for him uh he was i can tell you in the top seven And then we voted again, and he did not make the top five. So I can't tell you if he was sixth or seventh, but he was definitely in the discussion. I think overall, the feeling was among the group that he had, yes, a tremendous year south of the board, doing something that no Canadian uh, player has ever done before. But I think overall, the feeling was, you know, this is college football. Um, It's in the States. And, you know, to be fair to him, it's not the NFL. I think if he was doing this for an NFL team, which he could do one day, he's going to get a lot more recognition and a lot more support for winning the Lou Marsh. But I think overall the feeling was that this isn't quite the highest level in the world, and therefore, you know, the competition that he's playing against isn't
2: as fierce. Whether that's fair or not, I think that was the the overall consensus among the group. Okay, interesting. Well, Rob, it's always great to have you check in on the show. Uh, Enjoy the uh, rest of the Raptors and the Bulls tonight and Kawhi's return as well. Thanks, buddy. All right, thanks so much. Rob Leth from Global Sports in Toronto. And uh, the Raptors having trouble with the Bulls tonight. Late in the third quarter, Chicago up 71-67. And then Toronto back home on Wednesday. Kawhi Leonard will get his ring. They'll have the ceremony as the Raptors will entertain the Clippers. All right. Oilers tomorrow. Carolina, 5.30 face-off show game at 7 here on first meeting of the year between those two teams. Uh, Carolina pretty Pretty solid team. That's going to be a tough test uh, for Edmonton 1-1-1 one, one, one so far on this three-game homestand. Quick timeout, and then boxer Ryan Ford when we get back.
3: Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630Chad.
2: The nude centering Leon Dreisaitl and Jujar Kara at Oilers practice today as they get ready to host the Carolina Hurricanes. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Well, we had this gentleman on the show last week, and he said, Reed, when I win on Friday, I want to come back on and tell you how it went. This is boxer Ryan Ford, and he did indeed win at the convention center on Friday. So he does indeed get to come back on the show. Ryan, how are you doing, man? Hey, what's happening? I'm doing good. You took on Orlando Vazquez. Uh, I, I, I knew you knew a little bit about him uh, going into the fight, and then you got to know a lot about him uh, firsthand on Friday. Uh, give us a breakdown of how it all went, man. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. You know, uh, I took on Orlando. Tough, tough guy. Um, you know, he took some heavy shots from me and, and stayed there. It was, uh, I, was, I was wondering when this guy was going to go away, but it ended up with um, me hitting him with a body shot to make it happen.
2: What round was that? It was in the sixth round. How how tough was he compared to some of your other opponents?
0: Man, you know what? It, it's it's totally different. I he wasn't on the level of the opponents that I was fight uh, that I've been fighting, but he had rocks in his head. I swear, I hit him with a bus, a truck, a car. Or I think even a boat, and this guy was still sticking around.
2: No was did did he tag you with any good ones or, or were you on the offensive most of the time
0: yeah he was he was pretty much running the whole time um you know, I felt his power and he didn't have much crack in him, so you know I thought, listen, I'm gonna put on a show for all the fans that were in attendance, so you know, I kind of kept my hands down a little bit, I let him hit me a little bit and You know, I I had fun in there. It it was a good time. You know, I know that all the fans were pleased, and I know KO Boxing was pleased that you know I put on that type of a performance.
2: All right. So, uh, what was it like? We talked about this, but but three years since you you fought in Edmonton. How did it feel to be back in front of the home crowd? Oh, it was awesome. You know, I
0: had my sons all uh, full soccer team, two squads out there, Northside United and uh, Elite Soccer Academy. So when I walked through the through the the the, um, the curtains, I had all these kids screaming my name, and um, you know it, it, it was awesome to uh, you know to have people screaming my name instead of my
2: opponents. <laughs> and and did your son walk in with you? I know that was the plan last week.
0: Yes, yes, he walked in with me. He walked in, and then when we got to the corner, he just sat to the side. But um, you know he was there. And after I won the fight, him and my daughter both got into the ring, and uh, we got to take some pictures and. Uh, My daughter, dad, can I do a backflip? I said, honey, do it in front of all these people. uh, You know, she jumped up, did a backflip, and, um, you know, that was the night. Nothing but the real deal.
2: Ryan Ford joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Tell us about the last couple of days after a fight. Will you rest a little bit? Will you allow yourself to uh, eat and or drink whatever you want after weeks of training? or, Or how do you approach the recovery here?
0: Yeah, well, you know, it was my first time going out in a very long time. We went out after the fight, and, um, you know, I didn't end up getting home till 5 in the morning, and then I had to be up at 9 o'clock to drive my daughter to Lloyd Minister for her cheer competition. So it's been, I, I've been on the go. I was in Lloyd Minister, then I had to drive back at 7.30, and then the next day my son had a soccer game. So
2: it was back to full-time dad duties. What is your? Uh, what is the one food you love eating but you know you can't eat when you're training for a fight?
0: Oh, I'm a big Italian food lover. I like chicken parmesan and pasta and meatballs and pizza, so I don't get to eat that stuff. So these last few days, I... Uh, I've been going hard, so I actually had to get back into the gym today and go for a little run just because the last couple of days I've been eating so much.
2: Well, I was going to ask you if you had been back in the gym, but just, just, uh, just running today, no lifting or anything like that?
0: Yeah, no, just running, just to get a little sweat on and just get the body back to normal after all the food that I've been eating.
2: Ryan, do you have, I hope you don't hate me for asking this because I know you just want to fight, but is do you have the next one planned yet? What's going on?
0: Um, you know what? I'm hoping that I get a call. Hey, that's a good question to ask me because i I always want to fight If I'm not hurt and I'm not and, and I'm ready to go that's this is how I make my money. This is how I put food on the table and a roof over my family's head. so um, I have april fourth is 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 the one that is locked down for Poland for the for the last one that I was supposed to fight But I'm hoping I get a call here for something at the end of January, early February.
2: Okay, and then, sorry, that would be in Poland? Uh, No, April is in Poland. April's in Poland, sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's in Poland.
0: And then, so I'm hoping that I get a call uh, for something um, the end of January, early February uh, before the Poland fight because I like to stay active. And, you know, the longer that I waited, the more food I want to eat. And, (laughs) you know, I always always train, but I like to eat too, so...
2: (laughs) I hear you. Uh, Boxing is uh, an individual sport, but it isn't really. Are there any trainers, promoters, or anybody else involved in your crew you'd like to thank?
0: Oh, yes. You know, uh, I want to give a big, big shout-out to um, uh, all my sponsors. Um, You know, without them, I wouldn't be able to train um, full-time in Montreal, going and doing training camps. These are the people who, who make that all happen uh royal empire junior uh jewelry uh team ford go auto uh yeg burger roof star elite auto hellbilly ranch uh nb contracting and um you know real deal athletics and all the people who are out there that support me uh, I want to thank KO Boxing for finding me an opponent last minute to get me on the show, and um, Wolfhouse, uh, the gym I train at up here in Edmonton, Wolfhouse MMA. If anybody's looking to try to get in shape, learn boxing, kickboxing, mixed martial arts, Wolfhouse is the place to be in Edmonton.
2: Ryan, thanks for checking in. Congratulations on the victory. Uh, enjoy some pasta, buddy, and we'll talk again soon. <laughs> All right. Thank you for having me. That is Boxer Ryan Ford checking in tonight on Inside Sports. So a sixth-round uh, knockout, the victory on Friday night, and uh, back to his uh, busy life as a dad. We wish Ryan uh, all the best. Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL, putting out a statement tonight. This is uh, really his first public reaction since everything that went on with, uh, with Bill Peters. I will just pick out some highlights here Uh, and this was out of the board of governors meeting uh, Bettman writing I'd like to convey to you exactly what was said to the board of governors during our meeting we don't like surprises the Bill Peters situation was a complete surprise going forward our clubs are on notice that if they become aware of an incident of conduct involving NHL personnel on or off the ice that is inappropriate unlawful or abusive or may violate the league's policies. Uh, The league must be immediately advised. Uh, That's part of it. Another part says, "Bettman writing, I believe most NHL coaches are professional and respectful in the way they coach. However, in order to expedite a change in culture and make clear expectations we have for the conduct of coaches and other personnel, we will formulate a mandatory annual program on counseling, consciousness, raising education and training on diversity and inclusion uh, another point inappropriate conduct engaged in by club personnel will be disciplined either by the team the league or both and uh, just some, some of the highlights there from uh, Bettman's remarks coming out of the Board of Governors meeting obviously following the uh, controversy with Bill Peters uh, from what he did in the minors with Carolina and uh, then obviously stepping down as coach of the Calgary Flames that's going to be an ongoing story Russia a four-year ban from international sporting events, including next summer's Tokyo Olympics. Over long-standing, over that long-standing doping scandal, the athletes will be able to compete if they can show that they are clean. Remember, at the last limiter, we have the OAR, Olympic athlete from Russia. Becky Scott from Vermilion, Alberta, the outgoing chair of the World Anti-Doping Association's Athletes Commission. She says she wanted a full ban on Russians from the Olympics.
1: What is being promoted as a ban is not really a ban. And it is not using or leveraging the power and authority that WADA did have to enforce or to call for a complete ban.
2: And uh, Alexander Ovechkin says athletes are being punished for the misdeeds of Russian officials. Obviously, it's uh, sad news, but
1: uh, I think I'm going to have more information uh, later. Uh, but uh, um, it's, it's it's bad. I feel uh, feel bad for people who's uh, working so hard and uh, uh, wait this moment and uh, um, and they can can be there.
2: Now Russia can appeal the decision within 21 days. Final look at the scoreboard. Colorado up 1-0 on Calgary after one. Senators lead the Bruins 3-1 with five minutes left. Blue Jackets beat the Capitals 5-2. Islanders take down the Lightning 5-1. Giants up 17-3 on the Eagles at halftime. Raptors down eighty three seventy five in Chicago with eight minutes to go. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. I will join you at five thirty tomorrow from Studio ninety nine for the City Ford Face-Off Show. Game at seven between the Hurricanes and the Oilers. Thank you very much
1: for listening. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on six thirty, Chad.